702 for the curious. Streaming countrywide on the 702 app. 25 minutes ago before we get to 10 o'clock, you're with me, Gershwal Brooksy, on Talk at 9 on both Cape Talk and 702. Great to be in your company, of course. And up next, as I said, Dr. Glenda Gray. And we'll be talking. She's a scientist, a medical doctor, and the first female president, uh, president and CEO of uh, the South African Medical Research Council. And um, she's currently on the NDOH Ministerial Advisory Committee for COVID-19. Good evening, doctor, and thank you for joining us. Good evening, and thank you for having me. Great stuff. Doctor, so obviously we, we know we started off this lockdown um, with the aim to, to, to and, and, and this is a conversation that we've been having for quite some time. The aim behind it was to ready the Department of Health and um, all the facilities that we need for when that wave hits us. Um, it was also try to, trying to minimize the number of transmissions. Um, obviously, we're sitting at a, just south of 15,000 uh, cases in total. Um, is, is the lockdown effective or has it been effective and what should be the current strategy that we're looking at when it comes to this lockdown? So I think the lockdown was imperative and we achieved great uh, success by slowing down the transmission and by getting the hospitals ready and the healthcare sector ready at, at both time to get PPE, ventilators and oxygen. So I think that um, there, there was definitely a benefit and one could even argue that there was a benefit for the extension because it gave the country an ability to to increase um, the testing capability. We you saw we went from mm. testing you know one to two thousand a day to to remarkable uh, levels of testing. So it gave the country time to to build up its reserves, um, get its um, laboratories um, to scale, and also to get the hospitals ready uh, for 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 the for the epidemic. And by by slowing down transmission, what you do is uh, the reason to fatten the curve is to make sure that um, you can manage the medical components of the epidemic and to try and spread the epidemic out for as long as possible at a low level so that the hospitals are never overwhelmed. And so that's your, that is your aim with um, a, a lockdown. But where are we now? I mean, uh, nearly eight weeks, if we're going into the eighth week now of the lockdown, nearly two months, uh, we know that there's been massive, massive uh, implications for the economy uh, from, you know, uh, f- uh, hunger all the way through to unemployment. Obviously, people requiring bailout. We know that right now, as we speak, uh, government has actually initiated uh, a safety net and, and many other things clearly showing that it has had a massive impact on the economy. Where are we standing now with the need for this lockdown, considering that we're now going from level four to level three, uh, and in all likelihood, the major metros won't necessarily see level three yet because of the high numbers or the high concentration of of these uh, cases? Yes, so obviously what happened is that uh, the country has to balance lives with livelihoods, and we've heard that um, that, 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 um, that's a very important strategy to make sure that you... You have to preserve both. Um, and um, the country, um, so I think in terms of going forward, I think it's clear that um, without a, a vaccine or an, an antiviral, um, we're gonna be, it's going to be very hard to stop this, this um, epidemic. And we know that coronavirus um, um, uh, uh, floats around the, um, uh, over many seasons. So we're probably looking at, at uh, looking at an 18-month to two-year 
progression of this without a vaccine. We've seen in other countries that the moment you um, you 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 um, you let uh, you, you lower your or you relax your laws, you get a seepage of infection. So we have to learn to live with COVID nineteen, and we know which um, which people are more susceptible to COVID in- side effects from COVID infection. Those who who manage COVID infection very well, and so you have to you have to try and manage um, livelihoods with knowing how the how the virus works and, and how the virus affects the most vulnerable. And so we know that people who are over sixty and people who have comorbidities are more vulnerable to having adverse outcomes from COVID nineteen. And we know that the young, um, the younger you are, the less side effects you have. Mm. Uh, from the virus, and so what we have to do is we have to try and manage, um, mitigate our, our, our risk, and have a risk-benefit um, attitude to both the economy and to making sure that those who who um, those who will largely be asymptomatic be allowed to function, and that is children um, and um, and university students. But we also have to remember that because after vaccine or a um, a um, an antiviral. The only way we can stop the onward transmission from person to person is to employ certain strategies, and I think we know those. Washing hands is imperative because it basically prevents, um, we know that it's from other studies, it prevents um, um, transmission to children and it prevents transmission to yourself. We know that wearing a mask is going to help, and we know that social distance and not being in crowds and not being close to people for too long will protect you against transmission. So we've got to take the tools that we've got and we've got to use them until a vaccine comes along to eradicate um, this, this, this virus. And we have to learn to live it, with it. So we are looking at a, a different South Africa, but hopefully a South Africa that can still um, uh, work and um, get employed and hopefully a South Africa you know, that, um, that, that can manage um, the epidemic as well as maintaining the economy. I, I hear what you're saying there, Doctor, and obviously those are extremely important issues that you're raising there in terms of being able to uh, sustain and man- excuse me uh, sustain and maintain the economy at this particular point in time. But you're also mentioning that it, it makes the uh, South Africa is going to be a very different country after this. In fact, the whole world is going to be a very different planet to live uh, on for for quite some time as a result of uh, COVID-19 because of this uh, strain of the c- uh, coronavirus and possible uh, other uh, developments as we see, uh, you know, into the future. The question that I have for you, and this is for me um, what what is is sort of the, the, the key to the mystery ultimately, is what does that future look like? What do, do we, what are we saying then in terms of the current lockdown and the current conditions that we are living under, the current trajectory that government is taking us through versus what you are suggesting or are the two married and aligned? I think we have to accept that the, that the epidemic is going to be with us for a long time. And so that we're not going to beat this, this, this um, epidemic by the end of September or October and um, without a vaccine. And so, so then we have to say, okay, um, this epidemic is going to be with us. Um, we know that coronavirus uh, circulates um, you know, for two or three seasons. And so this is, this is, this is our plan. We have 18 months to, to, to manage this. Um, you know, and hopefully there'll be a vaccine um, sometime to, to, to turn off the transmission. And so up until that time, we're going to say, okay, so what do we know about the, the vaccine? And how, I mean, what do we know about the, 
um, the transmission and how can we prevent it. And we have to use non-pharmaceutical interventions. We're going to have to make sure we don't crowd, uh, where we keep our distance from each other and we keep the surfaces that we touch and our hands um, as clean as possible. And that, that sounds uh, very hard in an, in an overcrowded household and it sounds very hard when, you, when you're working and when you're traveling in a congested taxi. And so we're going to have to work on, on, on strategies to, to either increase access to transport or, 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 or look at um, flexible working hours, even though that, that seems impossible. And we just have to find ways of, of traveling um, that supports uh, social distancing. And, and, and if you can't have social distancing in the time that you are being transported, is to try and optimize and minimize the transmission that's occurring um, when you are in a congested area. So you have to work with, 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 with what you've got. You know, we've got to work with the tools that we've got because we don't have a vaccine. And the tool that we've got is, uh, I know it sounds silly, it's hand-washing, but hand-washing has reduced um, infectious disease transmission for hundreds of years, and, and that we, we know that it works with other respiratory illnesses. We know that um, you have to clean the, the, the surfaces because if you touch the surface and then you touch your eyes, you can get it. And we know that contact, close contact with people for, for, um, for, for you know, 20 minutes or more, or, you know, um, depending on how infectious they are, is a risk as well. So you have to, you have to work um, with, with what you've got. Um, it's the same thing that we did with HIV. Um, we knew mm. um, you know, if you use a condom. So we, we don't have a vaccine for HIV, and so what do we use? We use condoms. Eventually, um, drugs came along. And drugs helped us, and eventually, eventually, you find tools, biomedical tools. But until we have biomedical tools, we have to use, um, the, you know, the tools that we've got, which are which are are not great, but they can they can they can help slow the virus transmission down. So, I mean, ultimately, those those then are, are the measures that we assume are going to take that need to be implemented once the lockdown ends. Are you then saying that at this stage where we're sitting, there is no need for continued lockdown? That well, if, if we implement, if we implement those those uh, non uh, medical, uh, you know, uh, uh, sorry, I just forgot the term now yeah. that you non-pharm- use, but non pharmaceutical interventions. Non pharmaceutical interventions. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that every regulation and mm. every strategy you do, um, uh, henceforth, must only have one objective, and that is to minimise transmission yeah. of the virus. And we have to do everything in, in our everyday life to achieve that. And um, so when we, are le- when we are easing the lockdown or whether we are going out of lockdown, um, the, the objective of everything we do is to employ um, interventions that will uh, prevent transmission from one person to another, but also understanding that, that there are some people we know, we know, that we know who gets the disease more, more seriously. And we have to protect those people. So, so you know, we know that people over 60, we know that people with comorbidities um, are more susceptible to having adverse effects. So we need to protect those vulnerable people and find ways of, 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 of additional support, where, whereas we know that, that young, younger people have less disease. We know that a lot of people have asymptomatic disease. So, so for some people, exposure, for the vast majority, exposure is not going to lead to death. But for those vulnerable people, exposure will lead to death, and that's those are the people we have to protect. 
So whenever we, whenever we, we, whenever we go out, we have to have two principles. One is prevent onward transmission of the virus, and the second is protect those people um, who will have adverse effects from getting the virus. Thank you for that, Doctor. I mean, um, it is, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and obviously I, I do agree with you wholesale on, on every uh, point that you're raising. What part of my concern is, is that if you had to go back to government now, government would say to you that that's exactly what the plan is at this particular point in time. Um, hence why we're moving, we we're phasing in um, the the end of the lockdown. So that's why we went from like level five to level four to level three. Eventually, we'll hopefully get to level two soon. And then one day we'll see level one. And even level one will then see those changes that you had mentioned. I mean, I, I know, for example, that uh, we had a recent Zoom meeting with, with the school, uh, with, the te- with our son's uh, school teacher, and she mentioned that the children will have to v- wear visors to school, that some of them, in the beginning, they're going to have them uh, come in, I think, half the class or, or a portion of the class on certain days and the other portion on other days, etc., etc., etc. All of those things are sort of in place. The key question that I really have for you is, now, as of the 17th of May, what does that actually mean for us right now? Should we be doing what we are doing right now for another month? Should we be doing it for two months, three months from now? Or should we say Monday morning, tomorrow morning, wake up and go back to uh, the very non-pharmaceutical interventions that you have mentioned, taking into account people with comorbidities and being the elderly and then move into, away from a lockdown? Or is this phased approach that we have at the moment fine? I think that it's very important as we move forward is to implement regulations that um, safeguard people and, um, and, um, and, and don't prevent transmission. And um, I do think that we, we, we do have data that um, tells us who's going to be more susceptible than not. And so I, I, I do think that, that we can rapidly move into a state where we implement NPI and we have we have regulations that that protect um, people and um, uh, prevent the onward transmission of the virus, and so we know what we have to do and we have to implement that rapidly, and um, and uh, make sure that 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 wherever we are, that that NPI non pharmaceutical interventions is ingrained in our head. So, and already you see it. Um, you know, I walk on the street, people are wearing masks. There's, there's, there's social distancing at, you know, at the shopping malls. We need to have monitors that mm. um, make sure there's no overcrowding. We need to have monitors that, that implement, because people may forget. You might see your friend, you want to go and hug, it, go hug them. And so we have to continue to implement um, monitoring um, and um, interventions that avoid okay. that that stop crowds, you know, so we, 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 we know what we have to do and we need to work rapidly to, to, to do yeah. that so that people uh, can, can have their livelihoods back again. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Thank you so much, Doctor. All the best. Thanks. Thanks. Thank Cheers. you so much. That was Dr. Glenda Gray, a scientist, medical doctor, and the first female president and CEO of the South African Medical Research Council.